You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is Welcome back, folks, here on the Chris and Joe Show as we are breaking down the New York Giants' first preseason game against the New York Jets. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum here on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup, your go-to source for New York Giants content. As I said today, folks, we went back, we rewatched, and took some time to formulate some opinions and some thoughts on this First preseason game for the New York Giants, a game in which they lost, but preseason, the outcome doesn't really matter. We're more so looking for how certain position groups performed, how depth at specific spots looked, and it was very telling some of the various things that we were able to take away from this game. And we're going to cover a lot of that. We're going to rehash some previous opinions that we talked about on our post-game uh, Twitter spaces, live stream. We're going to get to some of these injuries that also came from the game. And I think that's a good first starting point, Chris, because there were a lot of injuries that came out of this performance. Nothing too critical and major. It's not like we lost a key starter, but depth at some various spots. Some guys that played well went down. Uh, The first one, Clayton Thorson, is uh, being waived because of his injury, and they went and signed Brian Lewerke, who I, you know, I find this pretty funny, Chris, because they, they go in, they have Clayton Thorson, doesn't play that well, he gets hurt, he's gone, and then they replace him with like another middling, below average athlete, talent-wise, Big Ten quarterback. He's from Michigan State, so it's just kind of like a swap out for a, a guy that's really not that far off in terms of just overall, um, I guess, archetype for, uh, for a backup third-string quarterback. Yeah, it really is a, a lateral move. And you know, I did some looking on the wave, in, wave injured designation. And basically what happens is uh, it's for players who are not yet vested veterans. They get placed on the waiver wire instead of getting put right on the injured reserve list. If they don't get picked up, which eh, it, it's fair to assume that Thorson won't be picked up, uh, they revert to the original team's injured reserve list at that point the team can either keep them on the ir for the rest of the year they cannot be brought back or they can release them with an injury settlement where they can go sign with another team or after the settlement period which is basically how long they're expected to miss plus three weeks the giants would be able to re-sign thorson so that, that's basically what that means. But then we have the other injuries, uh, TJ Brunson with his ACL, Kyle Murphy with his ankle, Joshua Kalu, Tora Peck, and uh, Hikatini, the tight end, has a hip injury. I think of these, 
the loss of TJ Brunson and Kyle Murphy hurt the most. I think of the Giants' backup offensive linemen, Murph looked the best, which I know you're really happy to hear. You were, you were really happy to see him doing well, and it sucks that he went down. And then Brunson, he was playing well on special teams, and he had that big force fumble. So it, it really hurts to lose him. Yeah, not a starter, but he could have been an important depth piece. Yeah, and you, you know, you mentioned some of those, a bunch of those different varying injuries. Kyle Murphy, um, something I mentioned on the stream, my former teammate, he actually was battling a number of, actually not battling a number of, he, he was battling an ankle injury through his his final year at the University of Rhode Island, and he actually, I don't, I forget if it was either the last game he didn't play, but he did miss some time my senior, our, our senior year at, at URI, because of a misdiagnosis by the. Uh, the training staff. That's a separate messy story because they've notoriously done that. They did it with me. They've done it with a ton of people. But because it was misdiagnosed, his ankle injury, it was nagging. It took a long time to recover. There were some issues with his recovery because of that. Um, It also impacted his pro day prep. When I was doing pro day prep with Murph, he had a doctor look at it and that was when he found out it was misdiagnosed. So I don't know if this is the same exact ankle or not, but I know he does have a history of ankle issues. I don't think this should impact him too much. I think the Giants do really like him and they, they're going to commit to him and they're going to let him recover. As you said, he was playing the best out of the sloppy offensive line play from the uh, the backups. Um, so, you know, that is going to be a standout for him, for Murph, for looking good amongst the group. But it just sucks for him after like six plays to go down with an injury. Hopefully he does come back. Brunson tearing the ACL was playing pretty well, had the forced fumble him going down and effectively being done for the year really does hurt because they do need to figure out the depth at linebacker. And he was really starting to shine in that game. Sadly, we're not really going to get to see too much uh, from TJ Brunson. So Chris, let's get into talking about the offense and the defense in this game, going to the offense first. We didn't see a ton from the starters. There was uh, some pretty quick rotation into the second quarter we saw mostly the backups in this game but there were a number of things that we we really started to really see and and one of the first things that you pointed out here is that Devontae Booker um you know did a really good job behind the line of scrimmage and he had some pretty good runs despite getting pretty limited touches yeah he he only had one run that went more than two yards but that wasn't really his fault it took the Giants offensive line really until the Jets started subbing in their own backups on the defensive line for the Giants' offensive line to gel and start creating running room. And by that point, Booker's night was over. His one eight-yard run was actually kind of interesting. I had to go back and watch it a few times where it was a case where the Giants worked up to the second level really well. They didn't block anybody at the line of scrimmage and all the Jets just completely missed tackling Devontae Booker's like they got into the backfield before they realized they were there and then he was past them before they realized he was there and I think that does kind of speak to how efficient Booker was behind the line of scrimmage he didn't take a whole lot of time trying to pick out a running lane his vision looked solid to me he committed early he committed hard which to the type of running place the Giants had success with last year that is important they were at their best with really quick hitting running plays and that's what we saw from Booker and also what we saw from Corey Clement I also want I also have to bring up Will Hernandez you know we had questions about how he's going to adjust to playing right guard 
I think of all the Giants offensive linemen, Hernandez looked the best. Yet, despite the fact this is a new position, you know, having to relearn all of his technique really in just one offseason, I thought he looked good. I thought he moved well. He looked balanced to me. He played with good leverage, good hand placement. He looked, you know, really solid. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say he looked like Quentin Nelson in his prime or Zach Martin, but he looked better than he did certainly before COVID last year. Yeah, you did see some pretty good things from Will Hernandez, and it's probably not hard to stand out. Um, I'm not trying to knock Will Hernandez, but I'm saying here, I'm knocking Kenny Kenny Wiggins instead. It, it, it's easier to stand out when the guy who's playing at the opposite guard spot has a horrendous performance when asked to start. Um, I don't mean to bash Kenny Wiggins too much, but I think we figured out, figured out pretty quickly the depth at the guard position is very questionable. I was not a fan of what I saw from Kenny Wiggins. We don't need to go into that because we're talking more positives, but you also decided to write down the CJ board run that they used. Uh, it was an end around stuff that we saw often last year. Another takeaway I had from that that specific touch is early on, you saw a lot of, uh, of effort to get the ball to CJ board. There were a good amount of touches and that end around was direct emphasis on trying to get him the football they also had him returning kicks as well uh, at various parts of the game I think that's a pretty clear indication of how they feel about him in the depth chart right now maybe he's not like the clear-cut number five receiver or number six receiver on the depth chart but uh, you know the fact that they're trying to scheme him some touches in this first preseason game to see what he can do and the fact that they're using him on special teams might be an indication that they're going to try to do whatever they can to keep him around as more so a special teams ace. Yeah, I really think that is the case. Yeah, it really could come down to CJ Board versus David Sills, which we'll get to him in a minute, or that last wide receiver position or maybe the two of them and John Ross, you know, cuz we didn't see Ross I you know, we don't really know what the Giants think of him. His speed is impressive. He could make a splash in these last two preseason games. But right now, it seems like the Giants really like both of those two backup receivers. And, you know, the reason why I took note of that end around is because of how Kadarius Tony, who we haven't seen yet, another guy who sat this game, uh, after the game, we found out he ha- he's having a some nagging injury problems, I think is what uh, Joe Judge said, and they're being cautious with him. But once he finally gets on the field, yeah, I think we really could see him less as a slot receiver, you know, infringing on what Sterling Shepard does, and more as that kind of gadget player offensive weapon, which is what he did for his first three years, and even into his fourth year at Florida, where, you know, just scheme ways to get him the ball. Use his speed and agility and explosiveness on those end arounds, jet sweeps. Use him on screens. And maybe use play design to take defenses by surprise. I, I really liked how the Giants used play action on that end around. It really drew pretty much the entire Jets defense away from the play. There wasn't anybody around to tackle board when he got the corner and the blocking for that play was really easy because nobody was looking at board. 
Yeah, no, that created a really good opportunity, and we're probably not going to see a lot of end arounds from C.J. Board during the regular season, but I would anticipate that's something we're going to see with, with a guy like Kadarius Toney, maybe John Ross if he finds his way into the lineup, if Dante Pettis sticks around. Like those faster, quicker guys are going to get those opportunities for those end arounds to pick up some, some serious yardage. Now shifting our focus from things that we didn't really like from the starters, uh, you made note of how there were some inconsistencies from some of the starting offensive linemen, particularly Nick da- Nick Gates and Matt Parrott. Uh, we did get that one pancake from Parrott, which was pretty nice to see early on in the game. He did allow a sack. So it wasn't really like a super clean game uh, from the offensive line. It wasn't like they had a horrendous outing when the starters were out there, but they do need to clean some stuff up. Yeah, with... Gates and Parrott in particular, I saw a lot of uh, hips rising, shoulders rising, hands getting wide, giving up their chest. Parrott did have that pancake, but he also had that sack. And he gave up the sack to Bryce Huff, who he was playing into the fourth quarter for the Jets. we, We noted last year how Gates was, he struggled to start the season, but then he Got, he got a bit better as the season went went on, and it was kind of tough to follow him at game speed. Uh, you know, one thing I didn't like overall is that uh, NFL Game Pass is not giving us all twenty two tape for the preseason, so that makes this a little bit harder than it has to be. Strictly speaking, zooming in on the offensive interior, watching and rewatching plays, started to see some things with Nick Gates where again he, he let his stance narrow. Uh, he would let his hands drift wide and he had some good plays, but he also had plays where he would kind of get pushed into the backfield more than I think we really want to see with him. And it was that push up the middle that kind of kept Booker to a few of those two yard runs and also let CJ Mosley get in position to tip that one or that I think it was uh, Mike Lennon's first pass of the game. And you know, those are things that Gates is going to have to clean up. Yeah, Gates is somebody who we saw a bit of up and down play from last year, started to have a really strong finish to the season. And you would hope that some of that momentum would carry into 2021. Hopefully some of those inefficiencies are cleaned up. Now, the, the defensive line that the Jets have is underrated. I, I think that it's not really some walkover defensive line. They're going to be a really good front in the AFC East. They're going to probably play pretty pretty well against the run. So to struggle against them, not exactly a horrible thing, but still you would like to see some improvements um, from Nick Gates. Now, I just want to hit on really quick before we shift our focus to the defense, Uh, talking about some of the backups, which is what we saw the most out of. The big thing for me is that we just saw a super lack of push from the offensive line. Like you saw them very easily being manhandled by the Jets defensive line, who is a very young team. Their backups are really nothing to really be excited about. So the fact that they were getting manhandled, pushed around, there was a ton of penetration. There was a lot of inconsistency. You saw gaps and holes being created and guys filling those lanes on the Jets defense pretty easily in a lot of instances. Not really much of an effort to get to the second level. That was a really, really big struggle for me, Chris, from the from the backups. Yeah, and it really looked like the whole thing kind of fell apart when Murphy went down. Those first few plays for the Giants' backup offensive linemen, 
they didn't look too bad, but once Murphy went down, it, it just kind of fell apart. And like you said, they got very little push up front. Uh, there was not great, I'll say not great at all pass protection. I, I believe the Jets wound up with five or six sacks, uh, you know, including that one that might have ended uh, Clayton Thorson's season, which also basically sealed the game, you know, except for the kneel downs. So that is concerning. You know, the depth on this offensive line was something we had, we had questions about. And I don't think they really answered any of those questions or at least not answer them in the way we would have hoped. Right. And yeah, a lot of the, the questions that we have about this backup offensive line, we, you know, we're not really getting a ton of clarity on it. And I think that one thing we're just starting to figure out is that they need to go out and bring in some more veterans and they need to hope that some people get cut because teams are, are really tight on roster spaces and they can potentially benefit from it. Because a lot of those guys who were in there were just not getting the job done. And in the event that there are injuries, which we've already seen injuries in games from offensive linemen, it's going to happen. They're going to need guys to step up and fill in. And hopefully they have some type of depth to fill in in those situations. Chris, I also want to just bring up from the backups, there were some pretty good splash plays from the receivers, from these backup receivers. We didn't see any Kenny Galladay, obviously. We didn't see any Kadarius Toney or any Sterling Shepard. It was mostly the backups from the jump. And then we saw really deep down in the depth chart towards the end of this football game, there were some really good plays from these guys. We mentioned David Sills. We mentioned CJ Board. Dante Pettis looked decent. Rice and John, who's a tight end, he almost had a really good catch, and he also had some pretty good touches when he was given the football. I like that group, but we're getting from these depth players. That, to me, is exciting because in the past, we have saw some really bad backup receiver play because the Giants had to dig deep and grab some of these backups, and then when they put them in the lineup, they weren't really doing much. So to now completely do a, a total 180 and to have a, a, a quality backup group is really, really good. And I also want to commend them for dealing with a situation of, and I, I'm sorry to knock Clayton Thorson again. We we knocked him a ton in the post game stream. He's now hurt. I'm wishing him the best of luck on his recovery. But he did not have a very good game. His ball placement was not good at all. It was not up to a professional level for these guys to make enough plays. And despite that, they were able to make a, a ton of grabs. They were able to make some pretty quality plays despite not really very good quarterback play. So that to me is pretty exciting. Yeah, I. I've- Definitely agree with you on that. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Rice and John because I really liked what I saw from him. Yeah, you know, he is still not a tight end, just in the classic sense of the term. Yeah, you, know, you do not want him lining up to block a linebacker or an edge player. That will not go well for you. But if you could get him matched up on a linebacker or a safety and coverage, that's a matchup you look for. Yeah, I that one pass that I believe it was the only one he the only target of his he didn't catch where Thorson threw the ball into the ground at his feet. He did a nice job on that. I believe it was a stick route and he did a good job of getting himself in position, working himself open and using his frame to box out and block the ball from the defender like the guy in coverage on him didn't really have a chance of making a play 
And if that ball was even, I don't know, six inches, a foot higher, that is a really nice play for the Giants. Yeah, Could he have picked up the first down? I'm not sure about that. But you know, it, it at least had the chance. And then you know, we, again, talked about David Sills. Really, the only reason he didn't catch everything thrown to him was Corey Ballantyne playing hard, which is, you know, we know that's what Corey Ballantyne does, you know, for all of his other limitations. And even on those two passes he didn't catch, the ball was in, it was in his hand and was just knocked away at the very last second. That's not really on David Sills. So this is a receiver group that could force the Giants to make some very difficult choices after the last preseason game. Yeah, they will have to make some very difficult choices because we've talked up this group. They went and signed John Ross. They've got Dante Pettis, who we know is a great athlete. And then not to mention, we talked about David Sills, CJ Board. The starters we know. We know who's going to be sticking around. So there might be some surprise names that don't end up returning uh, for this Giants receiver unit. We're going to talk defense very shortly. Before we do, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chris, defensively, the Giants played pretty well considering the output from the Jets offense. They had a number of different quarterbacks. They didn't really have a, a lot of big-name players that were really in the rotation, uh, understandably because of, frankly, how, how weak this roster is and, and how young it is. Denzel Mims had a pretty good game against this defense, that one play where he carried like <laughs> 10 guys. Uh, so that's a positive sign for the Jets. But defensively, started to see some early flashes from the young guys. And you pointed out immediately Aziz Ojolari here in our notes that he looked very, very good when flashing uh, You know, just some of the things that he's capable of as a defender. And I think that that's going to be an indication of potentially his use during the 2021 season. Yeah. I'll say, I, I like the fact that the giants used him on both sides of the defense, left, uh, left edge and right edge. I liked what I saw from him with his first step. He generally played with some pretty good leverage. And when he was able to get the, get his hands 
on the blocker first, he was generally successful. You know, like the one play, that tackle for a loss he had against Mekhi Becton. That's really what he did well. He got there quickly. He engaged and was able to shed the block really before Becton was ready to lock in the block. And he also had another good play like that on the right side. I think it was matched up on Morgan Moses, but I I would have to go back and check again, again. But then I I have to admit there were other plays where he didn't have quite as good a leverage. Uh, Maybe he didn't get his hands on the blocker first. When that happened, he did struggle. Uh, There was one running play where he was, he had to set the edge against Becton and Becton was basically able to discard him, push him way out of the play with one hand. Uh, That was a bit ugly. There was another one where he kind of got bodied by a pair of tight ends. Uh, First one engaged him, stood him up. Second one came over with a double team and knocked him to the ground, knocked him out of the play. So I'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent with his leverage, with his technique, but that's something we knew about coming in. You know, he isn't a terribly experienced edge. He only had two years at Georgia. And the other thing I saw, which I liked, was a lot of man coverage from the Giants secondary. You know, the coverage in and of itself wasn't particularly great. Uh, for the most part, Zach Wilson was able to move the ball pretty much at will early on in the game. But just, you know, we, we wanted to see the general shape of the offensive and defensive schemes. And I liked that the Giants were not afraid to man their corners up and really use that to try to take receivers out of the game. Yeah. The fact that they didn't have Bradbury and a Dory Jackson on the field that changed the outcome. But I think that does promise good things for when those guys do get on the field. In terms of things that we didn't really like, I, I like that you bring up here, the inconsistencies that we saw with tackling. And I mentioned that one play against Denzel Mims. That was when the backups were in the game. But there there were some instances where some chunk yardage was able to be picked up because of some missed tackles. So some inconsistencies there. We, we didn't really get to see many defensive starters. It was really just young guys and backups that were playing in this game. But you would like to see uh, a little bit more effort in tackling and they're also were they were a bit weak on third down when Zach Wilson was in the game they did a really good job of stopping the run on the first two downs and then Zach Wilson was able to complete a relatively easy pass to pick up a first down on what was like third and medium and third and long on some of those drives you'd like to see a little bit more consistency and consistency in my eyes on those third down plays the Giants are probably going to do a lot better than what we saw in this game on third downs because they're going to have their full arsenal of starters, but just from that mix of early in the game of the starters and the backups, that was one of the, the weaker points for me. Yeah, like just the the tackling to me is just that that's something they have to tighten up, and it was something that happened throughout the game. From the, from the first drive of the game all the way through the almost seven-minute long four-minute drill at the end of the game where the Giants would have guys in position to make tackles and they just kind of go for arm tackles or, you know, just kind of slide off of the ball carrier. You know, you brought up the Denzel Mims play where, yeah, he is a big, athletic, powerful receiver, but he's still a receiver and you don't want to see a wide receiver trucking your entire defense. That's just, that is not going to go over well 
you know, when the coaches and team are watching tape the next the next day, there's going to be a lot of guys just kind of maybe hiding their faces a little bit on that play. So th- that's something I'd really like to see the Giants coaches get tightened up and really taken care of, uh, hopefully before the Browns game, but certainly before the regular season. And then, you know, just early on, I, I would have liked to see the defensive front be a little bit more stout against the giant. Uh, I'm sorry, against the Jets' starting offensive line. Now, yes, we didn't see Leonard Williams, we didn't see Dexter Lawrence, we didn't see Blake Martinez, but B.J. Hill, uh, Danny Shelton, Austin Johnson, Reggie Ragland, you know, Tay Crowder. These guys are definitely going to be seeing a lot of snaps for the Giants this year, and. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen them lock down the run and get more penetration early on in the game against the Jets starters. Yeah, they could have been a little bit better early on against those starters. And I think once we saw a little bit more rotation from both teams and towards the backups, that was when we started to see some more uh, lockdown efforts. They looked pretty good against the run, as we talked about on the stream. There was some really, really good penetration. And that highlights the one key thing from the backups that we saw I think that we've established that they have not like elite depth, but quality depth at linebacker and defensive line. And what I'm referencing are the guys like BJ Hill, Danny Shelton, and Austin Johnson were in there early, but some of these other backups that were in the game later on, I thought they did a pretty good job. And the other thing as well that we talked about and commended uh, one specific guy for, Carter Coughlin, who was playing inside linebacker. He has really exceeded expectations. Joe Judge spoke very highly of him. He's just a guy that's excited to be out there. And as long as he shows consistency, and I would say some level of just minor improvement on a week-to-week basis, he's probably got a pretty good chance of making this roster because he's a guy who busts his ass. He's probably not going to be good enough to start or even receive enough snaps to have much of an impact in this Giants defense. But as long as he can show that if in a situation where Blake Martinez goes down and they need him to step in or somebody else goes down and they need him to step in and he can be really, really good on special teams, he's going to make this roster. This performance, I think, is a positive sign in the right direction for a guy like Carter Coughlin. Yeah. You know, after the game, in his postgame thoughts, Ed, su- Ed suggested that Car- that Coughlin could be pushing Tay Crowder for the starting job next to Blake Blake Martinez. And, you know, I honestly could see that, especially if he keeps improving at the rate we have seen. Like, if he's able to build off of this first preseason game and continue to, to take steps going forward, I actually could see him winning a starting job. Now, he might not be an every-down player, but, you know, if he keeps playing smart processing information well he moves well in space and he does have that pass rush ability from his time as an edge you know in college that could be an intriguing piece for Patrick Graham especially the way he likes to call defenses and call these blitzes and scheming pressures yeah ultimately what's going to make you more of an asset to a team and increase your chances of being able to make a roster is being able to do multiple things that background as an edge rusher is going to help him. They're not going to ask him to rush the passer in really any instance during the regular season. But the fact that he can do it, if in a you know a pinch you're down a guy on a short week and you don't have time to bring somebody up 
just having someone who can play multiple spots is really good. And he's played in this defense at outside linebacker. Now he's playing inside linebacker. So he has familiarity at multiple positions. That is going to be really, really key for a guy like Carter Coughlin. I, th- I think that he is going to be an increased chance after what we saw from this one performance. We can really take away some positives for Coughlin. And I would be super shocked if he's not on this team uh, come the start of the season. The one other thing, too, I just want to hit on, Chris. Uh, we talked about it in the postgame stream. Rodarius Williams continues to exceed my expectations. I, I think that that's super positive what we saw from him. He has the fumble recovery. He leads the team in tackles. He's not really a plus athlete. He's not really a guy that is going to be super dynamic. He's probably not going to be a starter, but he's really shown like, hey, I was drafted for a reason. You got to keep me around. I'm going to be a, a a key backup player and a really hardworking special teamer. That makes sense to me now why they brought him on. I did get a little flack for, for questioning that draft pick selection because it just didn't make any sense to me. And as I always say, I, I want guys to prove me wrong. I really like it when guys prove me wrong. Leonard Williams has done it so far. And here we are again with another Williams or Darius Williams. Yeah, the, this first game, I think it's a good starting point for him. He's got things he's got to tighten up. Uh, I saw a, a few of his tackles were, you know, he was being targeted in coverage and he touched a guy down. Uh, but he was at least in good position. And that's a good starting point for him. That's how he wound up with that. He was in good position. That's how he wound up with that uh, fumble recovery. You know, he didn't cause the fumble, but he was right there when the ball came loose and he was able to return, I believe, 19 yards. So if he's able to maybe tighten up his coverage a little bit, keep being in good position and keep busting his butt on special teams, I think that's a pretty solid path to the final roster for him. Certainly going to help him maybe establish a, a way onto this roster and to stick around. It's it's not a guarantee if you're a late-round draft pick to make the team. So having a hell of a first performance when the amount of snaps you're going to get throughout the preseason are just gradually going to diminish, he's going to prove himself as a you know a very talented guy. Or not talented, but hardworking guy, rather, that, that deserves to remain with this Giants team in 2021. Folks, that's going to be it for us on today's episode. We're going to be coming your way with a preview of the Giants' next game against the Cleveland Browns, second preseason game. Hopefully see a little bit more from the starters. We can see a little bit more from this roster. We'll probably have some time to react to maybe some cuts throughout the week as the roster does have to trim down uh, very, very soon. Uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Also follow us on social media, at Joe DeLeon, at RaptorMKII, and at Big Blue View. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.